The Dad Ass Podcast. Subpar, mediocre at best. Podcast just trying to figure out this whole parenting and adulting thing. One drink and one conversation at a time. Hey, hey, and welcome to the Dad Ass Podcast, the completely unscripted, unconventional podcast just trying to figure out this whole parenting and adulting thing. Me, I'm Matt, one of your co-hosts, and, and back with me to celebrate this um, Testicular Awareness Month is the one, the only, Sean P. Diddy. How are you doing, sir? I'm great. I'm, I'm really good. Um, you know, there's been uh, there's been a little rough spots uh, recently, but we're on the rebound, um, you know, so yeah, everything's good though. How are you? It's good to have you back behind the mic though. That's the important thing. Yeah, yeah. I missed a couple, but um, we're back on track. So, did you know that we are um, right at the uh, hundred episode mark uh, of our podcast partnership? And I've yet to call you until this episode, Sean P. Diddy. No. Well, okay. The total Missed opportunity. Yes. Okay. But the, to- our total, your total episodes or the podcast total episodes is over a hundred, right? It's gotta be. That's true. Okay. Yeah. This, this is, this is for, for us when, when we became a team, but I, I figured, you know what? We haven't done the P Diddy reference yeah. and I thought it would be a baldy, baldy yeah. joke. <laughs> you know, so what you're talking about is um, when one became two and now we're going to actually talk about when two became one. <laughs> these professional segues i think we've got it now here now that we're in the hundreds yeah um you want to tee up what we're celebrating this month? so um our yeah so april is testicular cancer awareness month um and i am um very excited that we have um mike on from, who's one of the founders of worth the weight and um i'm not going to spoil all that um worth the weight is but it it's a really cool organization um, that is uh, helping a, a lot of people and, and families. And um, yeah, so we're super excited to have have you on. So welcome, Mike. Thank you. I'm uh, incredibly honored to be here. Should, should I have said celebrate? That's not the, the right word. Why not? Bring awareness. Is it celebrate? I want to ask both oh, of sure. you since both of you are survivors. Yeah, I've- I celebrate my balls all the time. Or, well, I say balls, my ball. Yeah, all it's the time. hard to it's, it's it's hard to drop the s. I'm not going to lie to you about that. It is. It's so hard, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah no, so I, and I've been a survivor for going on what twelve years now, and I still refer to it as my to them as my balls, even though I have one. Um, I mean, this is this is uh, this is TMI, and this will get you know we're gonna we're gonna have a, an episode where I'm gonna actually really. Um, share sort of um jovially and 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 likely quite seriously uh my experience of being diagnosed and and all that sort of stuff but um a little teaser (laughs) teaser to that you know um you got a name you got to you got to name the remaining i don't know if that's a thing for you but that like i highly recommend that you name the remaining it 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 helps you get the right mindset i'm just gonna I didn't name my remaining ball. I I never named both testicles. Oh no, no happy couple. No, me me but, either. Me either. Know. No, there was uh, yeah, no, there was no um, there was no naming when they were a couple. But I felt like yeah. it was a monumental experience. Um, you it, know, yes, it's well, not every day that your body parts divorce. Um, so that's correct. I tell people too, it's not every day that your testicle is convicted of attempted murder. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought right? of it that way. Yeah. Like my testicle tried to kill me. Yeah. I, is it, that, luckily it didn't happen, but that's, that's hold on. bare bones did, truth. Did you just classically tell your dad joke or? No, that's not even a dad <laughs> oh, okay. joke. No, that's not a joke, man. You know, that's like, true. No, well, yeah, like it's facts. And going back to your, you know, celebrate versus awareness versus that kind of thing. Like, I think, I think one of the best ways to to deal with cancer and the aftermath is humor. Yeah. And you know, frankly, testicles are such a funny part of the male body, anyhow. That yeah, it's it's just inherently funny. So if you can't laugh about it, right? Yeah. What what can you do? Yeah. Also, I mean, we probably should have put this in in the beginning. Maybe we'll put it in in the descriptor. <laughs> um, 
This is going to be a little bit more of a adult episode than Norm, I think, for us. Um, you know, while also being incredibly childish about it. Um, oh, yeah. So, um, you know, but I agree that humor is... Um, so, part of my story is um, that um, my... Now, going off of your sort of metaphor, um, you had just a single, singular uh, homicidal maniac living inside of you. Um, I apparently had an entire crime network because um, when um, they removed... Um, the one testicle um the there were apparently some cronies that were floating through my body and it uh recurred um yep so me we, too. We, yeah so we had to wipe out the yeah. whole um the whole sort of crime enterprise that was happening in my body <laughs> um there's a lot of medicine yeah, involved the, a lot of infusions um, the chemo fbi took over my body for, <laughs> yeah. for quite some time too okay yeah so um yeah but my phrase during chemo was laugh or cry that was my yeah you yeah. got two options oh, yeah. you can laugh through this or you can cry through this and and to be honest with you i did both there's nothing wrong with cry um absolutely and mike did you did you have a motto or um like a a, a pump up phrase you know to help <clears throat> you through i didn't i didn't really have a phrase or a motto my um so my dad was uh he was a navy corpsman so he he spent a lot of time with marines and that so he's always been the kind of guy who was like listen just put your head down and get through it and uh that's that was my motto at the time like this is gonna suck and i'm gonna be miserable at times and other times i'm gonna be okay but bottom line just my choice is to put my head down and get through it and yeah i'll deal with the mental issues and that kind of thing while i'm going through it but that's that's kind of what kept me going was just hey what are my alternatives my like i've got to do this so i'm gonna do it it's gonna suck and it did um <clears throat> but you know now i'm got i i finished chemo in 2012 and looking back like i can distinctly remember portions of it that that really really sucked um but at the same time i live a great life now and it doesn't you know it's not this cloud over me where i'm constantly like wow, how did I do this? And everything going forward from a health perspective could, can suck too. So, but I, I think mindset's huge and, and motto is huge. I do think there's this, this issue with fighting cancer where people say like, you have to be in a positive mindset and you don't, Mm-mm. you don't have to be in a mindset all the time. You just and have to show up. Is, that's it. Yeah. You just right? have to and show up and sit in the chair. That's it. Exactly. You can be whatever and, yeah. condition you're in. And I tell people, I, I talk with a lot of folks who are like newly diagnosed and that kind of thing. And one thing I say is you just got to trust doctors and the medicine and your job is to just what you said, Sean, just sit there. Yeah. I love that um, when this happened that you went to uh, talk to your dad about it. I think that's that's amazing. I'm not going to lie. I also think it's amazing that you um, seeked advice on what to do about your testicular cancer from a semen. i have i've been waiting i love it he said it and i was like when's the time when is it what now i think that's a good uh another professionally done segue to say you had a you had a themed dad joke i do i do yeah i love this one so and actually it my doctor told me the story he told me about a guy who came in and before he came in to visit him he dipped his balls in glitter <laughs> oh why did i not much, do right that? <laughs> did you catch the punchline oh. pretty nuts i like it i like that i love that one that one's good you don't even <laughs> you don't even need right? the punchline just he just dipped his balls in glitter <laughs> I don't like the health related jokes now, or I have another one and it's, um, I was, I just found out I'm colorblind. The diagnosis came out of the purple. (laughs) (laughs) It takes a while. Yeah. (laughs) Like, uh, oh, got it. That's great. This, this this is fantastic. Now, geez, going straight from Sean's joke to yours. We're gonna bring this back here. Um, your your hold on. 
you know, this is exactly <laughs> what this experience should be. And, and uh, you know, I, I 100% don't think this will happen whatsoever, but I feel like this would be really great for, like, someone to, to like, from, like, the Testicular Cancer, uh, like, Awareness Foundation to be like, the, like, if you're going through this, like, just listen to this first, like, 15, 10 minutes while these two, these yep. three guys just sit there, because it'll be okay, um, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, all right, I'm back. All right. <laughs> And scene. Yeah. <laughs> so, your your core uh, mission and values uh, as a as a, a nonprofit as a charity mm-hmm. is to help ease the burden for young adult uh, cancer survivors that want to pursue uh, parenthood, providing financial support yep. um, for for fertility treatments, adoption, surrogacy. You know, and and tell us a little bit of of how that mission came into uh, fruition for you. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming through your personal journey first and then your desire in your heart of hearts to want to help others after yeah. your, your treatment's finished. Sure. Um, so, you know, I, it, it's kind of going back, like, and I spoke to my dad about my cancer diagnosis because my dad has had three different types of cancer. Oh, man. And he's still... Yeah. He's still here, still alive and kicking. Like that's, you know, the whole, he, he, (laughs) he just keeps getting it. And the tough thing is if you, if you follow like the Camp Lejeune stories in the news, if you've ever watched like late night TV, he was, he was stationed at Camp Lejeune with his, um, with the Marine Corps when he was the corpsman. And he was there during like some of the highest years of the contaminated water. So he's Ugh. in all of those class actions and that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, he's had, th- well, two very, very rare types of cancer. And then he's had prostate cancer since. So, like, he was first diagnosed in 1994. And I was a little kid who just heard cancer and thought, oh, my God, what does this mean? Um, so, yeah, it's been pretty crazy um with all of that and then so i always in the back of my mind just thought like hey i'm probably gonna get cancer don't know when don't want to think about it but i'm probably gonna get it and uh like when i got married and well megan and i have been together forever so when we even started dating and like kind of got through the relationship for a while i just she knew the cancer history in my family and i told her like i'm gonna get it too we just i don't know when and it happened at 26. Um, so again, long segue into the nonprofit, but like when I was first diagnosed, um, I worked with an awesome oncologist at the James. And one of the first things he said to me was you need to go bank sperm like right now doesn't take long, just go do it. And, uh, at 26, we, we had been married for three years. I, I hadn't, I never inherently wanted to have kids. I didn't, think like I'm never going to have them but I I just never thought like this is a strong desire of mine so yes I'm gonna go I'm gonna go bank sperm I'm gonna do all of this and then I'm going to go through treatment I was just I wanted to get it done I wanted to get you know surgery finished I wanted to start moving on and uh luckily you know my wife Megan stopped me and said dude like (laughs) just go you know go bank sperm She's like, you do this at home all the time, anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> but she's like, just go. She's like, trust you. me, man, it doesn't take long. I know. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, the problem with that whole concept, though, is they, they it's such like the lab that I went to, and I think it's like it, at the time was the only lab around here. It's the like darkest, most awkward. <laughs> place ever to do it so you're just you just have to again like with chemo you just have to put your head down and get through it you know (laughs) but so she talked me into banking I went and banked never thought anything of it had surgery um they thought I was all clear for a while after my surgery and then how long enough Sean uh so I I went I had surgery in June and we discovered the next May that it had spread to three lymph nodes in my um, retroperitoneal system. Yeah, buddy. Yep. And then mine was uh, two years. To chemo. Two years. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and you know, I I had so I discovered 
like my tumor, I guess you would say, and didn't do anything about it for about six to seven months because I just figured it was nothing. We're like twinsies. Are we? Yeah. (laughs) We're just we're just dudes, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Did you make um, like every excuse in the world as to like like rationalize like it's not that like, you know, it's probably this or, you know, or I don't even know what it is, but it's definitely not that. Yeah, it's it's funny because this is the worst recommendation. It's not a recommendation. You should not do this. But as I found it in about January and then May, so it was what, five months, I started to have some other kind of weird symptoms. Um, So I I was having tenderness in, in my chest. And so I Googled just one day, like pain in my testicle, tenderness in my chest. And the first result was you have testicular cancer. And at that point, I talked to my wife and she's like, go schedule a doctor's appointment and let's get this figured out. And sure enough, but you shouldn't Google, right? No, it's a terrible idea. Yeah. Don't Google. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, so it was, it was, um, the next May we discovered it had spread. So I, I banked sperm again on the recommendation of my medical oncologist at the time. Um, and then I had a week to bank sperm, do pulmonary function testing. Um, I went to the dentist because chemo can mess with your teeth and all that kind of stuff. And and then, you know, we started uh, started chemo. Um, now I'm just curious. I mean, you don't have to say if you don't feel comfortable. Who is your surgical yeah. oncologist at the James? Uh, this, yeah, Ahmad Shabzig. Okay, not, not mine, not mine. Okay. Who's uh, yours? Uh, my medical on call. Oh gosh, I've lost his name. I can think of him. Uh, I can see his face and everything. It'll come to me. But I, rem- I, I remember the first time I met him. This is like the silliest thing. But he two hand, like shook me. My hand. Like he put like mm-hmm. one hand here and he put one hand here, and it was the most genuine and like comforting thing. All it was was just like this two hand clasp. And he was like, yep. it's really nice to meet you. Like, um, it, it, yeah, I, 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 I'm blind. I can think of my medical oncologist, um, uh-huh. Dr. Parikh, um, who's no longer okay. at, at uh, OSU, but he was amazing. Um, both were, were great doctors, but Pohar, there yeah. it is, Dr. Pohar. Um, okay, I know the name. Yep. Yep. They're probably, they're probably, in, if they're at the James in that same little. Mm-hmm. There's the, I mean, I don't know what it was like when you were there, but um, their offices are actually in the brain and spine hospital in the bottom of, the, of yeah. brain and spine. Um, so I've I've spent many a, many a time there. I was just there, you know, for my my one year sort of checkup. I'm entering year three. Yeah. Uh, okay. Because awesome. it all restarts once it recurs. Um, yep. So I get a lot of questions. I don't know if people ask you like, oh. Um, so are you in remission and technically yep. for testicular cancer, I, I think, you know, each cancer is different. Um, but technically for, for, uh, tech, uh, testicular cancer, uh, you can't call remission until five years in the clear. Um, yeah, there's yeah, like a statistical so my... huge drop of like the likelihood of it coming back. I think particularly after year three, um, Year two, it really drops too, but um, year three, I think it really s- sort of sharply takes a turn. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm I just started year three, about I don't know, a quarter of the way through year three, not even. Awesome, yeah, yeah. That's uh, I, similar things. You know, I heard similar things from oncologists. My my medical oncologist um, is Doctor Monk. Yeah, um, he is now my is he is my medical oncologist now. That's who took oh, over. He? Yeah. Well, so the best part of the, like, so after I finished chemo at one of my follow-up appointments, we, we had actually, we were in process of moving into a different neighborhood and, uh, I just, I said, oh yeah, I'm moving into, you know, this neighborhood. And he looked at me and he said, you're my neighbor. So I am, I'm his neighbor. I see, like I said one time, like, why don't I just save you time and come to your front porch and drop my pants? It, it can be real quick, you know, <laughs> and, but I see him uh, often on walks and that kind of thing. Um, he had told me that testicular cancer is one of the only cancers that you actually get a cured status. So my status is cured. Um, awesome. So, yeah, because the, to your point, like statistically, it's 
as likely that I would get it again as anyone else on the street who doesn't have a history of it. Mm. So, yeah. Walk us then through from from where you stopped your your um, story yeah. to how how you got to um, founding and and starting uh, a charity then to help others that went through the same yeah. process that you both went through well that you went through yeah so um, so after chemo lived life had a good life um, you know did all the things that I wanted to do while I was sick and couldn't um, and then it was that time where my wife and I sat down and said okay it's let's try to start a family. Um, we knew, and our oncologists had talked to us in the past about like, Hey, listen, you got to try for about six months. Um, they would actually say try for a year and then contact us or start like talking to reproductive specialists, that kind of thing. Um, we're instant gratification people. So we tried for like four months to six months and then just went straight to a reproductive, um, doctor. But we had, a very difficult time, um, starting a family. So <clears throat> when we started working with a doctor, we, uh, explained my history, explained, you know, Megan's health history. It's, it's a tough experience because the doctors kind of, even with my, um, history, they ignored me somewhat like, Oh, okay, well, we just need your sperm and, you know, we're going to treat your wife. And it was kind of like, well, maybe there's more things you could do for me. Um, but anyhow, we went through seven IUIs, um, which is intrauterine insemination. We went through seven of those um, before we finally conceived my son, who's now six. And, you know, it was a personal choice to keep doing IUIs. I think if, you know, statistically speaking, because I had barely any sperm count. I was basically infertile. Like we shouldn't have been doing them probably to give us a better odd, a better shot of having a family. Um, but the, the, after the sixth IUI, we had used all my bank sperm. We had tried everything, didn't work. We had started to go down the path of adoption. So we met with agencies. We were um, ready to pay for a home study and set on that. And Megan just said, Hey, let's just try one more. What do we have to lose? Um, we're going down this path. So we tried one more. The doctors put Megan on pretty much all the medicine that you would get if we were doing in vitro fertilization and it worked and it wasn't, we weren't using banked sperm wherein I had a higher sperm count or anything like that. Um, I remember at the IUI, the doctor looked at, you know, the sperm sample I produced and it's kind of like, yeah, it's not great, which they would say pretty much every other time. Um, but we did it anyhow. And lo and behold, it was, it was a miracle truly. Um, so that was 2017. We tried again in 2019 and we went straight to IVF, um, did not work. So, you know, hindsight, we looked at this and we never had any insurance coverage for any of this, which is fairly common. There's only, I want to say 11 states that mandate mandate some type of insurance coverage. Um, even as a cancer survivor, we had zero insurance coverage, period. We paid for everything out of pocket. <clears throat> and it is incredibly expensive, <clears throat> excuse me, but I think, you know, you don't, you don't think about that after the fact when it works, right? Um, but we were in a position where we could pay for it. And um, a lot of people aren't, especially after going through cancer. Yeah. I mean, even without going through cancer, it's incredibly expensive. And that's the other thing, too, that you don't want to think about it. But the, the statistical odds that any of this work, it's like 25 percent or less. And I'm sure I'm going to have some reproductive endocrinologists say, like, you're wrong. It's higher. I don't think it actually really is. So you want me for IVF to pay potentially twenty-five dollars to $40,000 for a 25% chance that this could work? I yeah. mean, I'm a financial planner in my day job. Most people are just going to say no. But we, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a miracle. It shouldn't have happened for us. It happened. And during the pandemic, we were sitting there one day and it just hit us. We said, you know, if if we removed as much as we could the financial barriers for people to do this and took that off the plate why wouldn't they try <clears throat> and it could work 
So let's set something up that tries to remove the financial barrier um, and hopefully more people experience the joy that we experience by becoming parents. And I think it was even more profound because, again, I never I never dreamed of being a dad. I never thought about it, but it's one of those things that you don't know until you know. And now that I know, it's the best thing ever. Uh, my kid is a mini me. He's hilarious. He's my buddy. It's, but I didn't, I wouldn't have known that until I had him. Yeah. So that's why we set up worth the wait. We, we wanted to help people and we figured, okay, what's, what's the easiest way to do this. And after some advice from attorneys and, and that kind of thing, we, we set up a, a public charity nonprofit, um, to help as many people not only go through fertility treatments, but also preserve fertility before treatment, both men and women. And I, I think that was the other big thing for us is it's men and women, because yeah, a lot of other nonprofits out there are only focused on women and there we've already helped men who it, it's, they don't have the money to pay for five years of storage. So, so that okay, was, we got it. That was, um, that was not the primary decider. Um, my wife and I were fairly certain we didn't want to have children at the time. Um, sure. So ultimately we did not um, bank um, mm-hmm. and that was the right decision for us. But there was yep. a real conversation too of like, do we want to pay for this? Can't Like it's not, it's not. Incre- it's not like $40,000 incredibly expensive, yep. but it's, it's not a cheap sort of, you know, I'm trying to remember, you probably know roughly how much it, it costs. I, mean, there, I think we broke it out like monthly. Um, do you know yep. what that is? Like roughly off the top of your head? So <clears throat> I'm trying to remember what I paid. <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's kind of ironic when you think about it. Cause it's like, I was paying rent yearly rent for my semen. Um, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, I, I would get bills, and again, I don't want anyone to quote me on this, but I want to say my annual bills were like 300 bucks for storage. Um, we actually we we worked with the lab that I used to the point where they give us a a grant <clears throat> for two men if we approve them. They give them the sperm banking procedure, and then I want to say five years of storage, and they just, here you go. You got it. You got the worth the weight grant, so we're going to do this for you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. So, yeah, I don't know, you know, monetarily speaking what it is, but I'm sure it's over a 1000 bucks, probably. Yeah. I want to say, you know, this is probably four, you know, it's about five years ago, four, four years ago. Um. And it was, I think when we looked, and we didn't like look around heavily, one of the places was maybe like, I want to say close to like 50 or 75 bucks a month. Like, yeah. um, And and I'm sure there's varied prices and all that sort of stuff. But we had this conversation. It was like, I don't think this is what, you know, what is in the cards for us anyway. Um, But then the question was, do we want to pay for something? What if we change our mind? Like, there was like a really big, like, I was. Um, you know, in my early thirties. Um, so, Mm -hmm. you know, a little bit more established than 26. Um, not a ton, but like I can appreciate that. I felt like I had a little bit maybe greater direction or understanding of the direction that my life was going to take in terms of parenthood than being 26. The other thing I remember, um, being shocked at, um, was we were talking about how like you found something and then you kind of rationalized it. I remember thinking I'm yeah. too young for cancer and testicular cancer. I was actually on the old side of text of yeah. testicular cancer to be in my, my, you know, low thirties. Um, I think it's yep. like 16 to 30 something, depending on where you kind of yeah. look. Um, it is. It's a young, they call it a young man's disease. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I can't imagine. So even if, let's say, you know, heaven forbid, but I mean, it's it's real. This is statistically real. Imagine you're an 18-year-old yeah. kid, 17 years old, whatever, and you you haven't met your person yet, um, yeah. and you don't even know, like, that. So then that idea of, like, banking and all that sort of stuff, that, like, even if it's only 
five hundred bucks a year. Well, yeah, that's five hundred bucks a year, potentially for ten years, right? Like, yeah. or more. Like, if you're yep. seventeen, that's assuming that you you decide that you want to have kids by twenty seven. Um, and exactly. I don't even think that that's necessarily. You know, we know kids are having or adults are having children older and older in their age um, now. So that's that's a that's a big thing um yeah so even even having um the opportunity like to get a grant to cover five years of it um i think is a huge and wonderful um sort of thing um and i think that's kind of the one of the unique aspects uh of this disease is that is the younger side of things and like from a family planning perspective that's a big you know, you're, if you're on the younger side, you may not have that figured out yet. Um, and so, yeah. Yep. Yeah. To give a real world example of that, when we set up our nonprofit, we wanted to be, yes, we're a cancer related charity, but we're a charity that's about survivorship. Yeah. Our mission is for, for people to have a full and uh, vibrant survivorship like they would have had if they didn't have this diagnosis diagnosis as much as you can and going along with that fertility preservation like as guys it's actually we're in a better position because it doesn't cost as much but for a female it could be fifteen thousand dollars to preserve eggs to freeze eggs um and so we actually we we got a request from a 14 year old who um, she was able to preserve eggs. She had to go through treatment and, you know, they, she doesn't know if she's going right. to ever be a mom one day, but yeah. at 14 to understand that I'm going to go through this treatment, it's going to potentially render me infertile. It's going to cost $15,000 to do this, but I don't want to potentially take something off the table in the future so yeah let's look for help and and we we paid for a portion of um her egg freezing but you know i was 26 like it it was easier for me to make a rational decision i didn't have to talk to my parents i didn't have to do any of that i could do it on my own i can't imagine being put in this position when you're a teenager yeah this this is um as someone who's not gone through um chemo or or a diagnosis that that both of you have gone through your mind's already swirling yep with fear of everything and especially of the unknown that on top of it now you have to have what would be in another uh, difficult discussion in the middle of i just want to get the hell into the surgery and and get this out of my body. So I can't understand the magnitude, but to know that you and Megan um, and, and the mission of, of your charity now is at least easing the fine, some of the financial fears yeah. Yeah. based off of just a yeah. portion of the fears that are going into this, this process. Yeah. It, the other thing we committed to doing too, because um, after the fact, when we were going through IVF, we did start to research, like, are there grants out there? And if there are, how do you get them? How long does it take? That kind of thing. Um, we were lucky in the sense that we were all finished, so we didn't have to make snap decisions. Um, but to apply for some of these grants and to get assistance, it was a very impersonal process. And you didn't know when you were going to get a decision. You weren't necessarily talking to someone on the other side of the phone. You were just submitting an application and Um, So we decided, especially for, you know, preservation, we will are the maximum turnaround time for a decision when we call you and say, hey, you know, you either got a grant or you did not is 10 days. That's the maximum. That doesn't mean that's going to happen for everyone. We've had cases where someone needs to make a decision in a few days. And as long as they're able to submit all of the things we ask for with the application, um, we, we can make those decisions. We have a group of advisors that reviews all the cases. Um, we use HIPAA compliant, um, you know, software. So our application and all the information shared with us is, is HIPAA compliant. Um, but 
we can be pretty responsive. And then we make personal phone calls to the people that are getting the grants. And I, I think the other message there is, hey, everyone's experience is unique, but we've been through this. So not only are we want we want to help you, but we also want to stay in touch. We want to talk to you. We want to go through this with you. You know, you're not alone. So it's uh, yeah, and and the things we ask for, just that we 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 you need to show a financial need. Um, so what we've been using is medium income per median income per state uh, as kind of a baseline. Now that's not a hard and fast rule. But it's a baseline, so we need we need to start somewhere. And to verify financial information, we ask for a 1040, um, really just the first two pages of a 1040 tax return. Um, we ask for a letter from your oncologist uh, or from, if you're not being seen by an oncologist anymore, a primary care physician who can document your history of cancer. Um, and then we ask for permission to speak to that doctor as well if we need to. Um, and we ask for a personal reference too, so we can speak to a personal reference. Uh, so, you know, we're very concerned about the protecting our donors' money because we're a public charity. So if you're giving money to us, we want you to be comfortable that we're giving it to people who, who number one, need it, and number two, actually had a cancer diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and mm -hmm. to date, how many, um, and you don't have to share dollar amounts, but how many yeah. grants have you um, given out at, at this point? 21. 21. Um, we, so we officially started the charity on June, in June of 2021. Um, we, we, we've never actually like really actively had a huge fundraising push. We just would talk about what we were doing and what we were thinking of doing. And the fund started rolling in in August of 21. Uh, <clears throat> we gave our first grant in October of 21. And since Megan has taken over as executive director and Megan's background is in marketing and communications and public relation, um, she has done such incredible things with this nonprofit that we are receiving an incredible amount of demand. So asking for the application and then people were returning the application. Um, so our goal this year was to do, I want to say 12 to 15 grants and we're already at nine. So that was a goal for the first, the whole year and, and not even the first quarter we've done nine. Wow. That's awesome. So, yeah. um, thank you. So we talked about the um, banking. Is that the mm -hmm. only um, like what are what are the options in terms of uh, of that? Is it just banking? Is it other things? What you know? I'll yeah. So, and I don't mean just as in like that's not something. Sure. By the way, <laughs> no. I <can't. laughs> um, we so again we're 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 fairly flexible right now so we ask folks what they're doing and um they will let us know okay i need to have in a in a the mail case like i need to have my my semen tested first of all then i need to pay so i need to pay for that then i need to pay for banking yada yada and okay yeah here's you know what we'll do is we'll look at the the what they're looking for financially and we'll say okay we're going to award you this grant um and that's the other key. Then we pay it to the provider. So we're not cutting checks to the individuals. It's going, we need to know your doctor. We need to know the lab. It's going directly to the lab with your, you know, your name and your file on it. Um, so, uh, for, for females, it's, we will cover medicine. We will cover, um, a charge for, you know, a doctor visit. So, you apply, you let us know what you're looking to do and what you need. And then we go through our deliberation with our committee and say, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give you, we'll cut a check for X amount of dollars right now. Um, our grants have been anywhere between $4,500 to like a thousand bucks. Um, that's not, you know, a hard and fast rule. We're <laughs> the demand is unbelievable out there. Um, so, I don't know what this is going to look like going forward, but we're, you know, there's not enough money in the world to cover all of this. And it's, it's something that people don't think about that much. Like, mm -hmm. again, I think the most staggering thing is if you're, if you're 
uh, a young female and they're saying, hey, it's $15,000 to to even have a chance to preserve your fertility. Wow. 15. How many people can cut a check for 15,000? Right. Right. That's that's insane. And then yeah. to have insurance companies just say, sorry, yeah. not paying for that. Like, OK, so what you're basically saying is it's not in the cards for this person. And that's that's in, that's inhumane. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if there enough time has passed for this to happen yet. Um, do you know if any of your efforts have resulted in a child? Um, or helped so, in that? You know what I mean? Like, Certainly helped. Yeah, we paid off adoption costs for someone. Um, so, you know, they, they, this is the final bill. Um, we've paid it off. They have the baby, they had the baby in their arms when we paid off their, their costs from the agency. That's awesome. Um, That's yeah, cool. it's really cool. It's, uh, that was actually, yeah, that was, that was a very cool grant. I mean, all of the grants are, are awesome grants, you know, it, it's, um, I just to be able to help people is incredible. Um, we do have someone who has gone through several treatments and she's pregnant now. Um, so, you know, I, we haven't really sat down and started like counting little worth the weight babies. We'll call them. Um, Did you get like naming rights? I feel like that could kind of be like a fair, <laughs> like you brought that up because yes, <laughs> that's, that's what I, I want to say. Like, Hey, listen, if this works, I get to name the kid. <laughs> <laughs> like Mike yeah. or, you know, I, yeah, I just, you know, just throwing out some names. You know. <laughs> could yeah. Be a fundraising opportunity yeah. right there. That could, that could let's, let's <laughs> pull auction off the name of your child. <laughs> no, it, oh. yeah, it's, um, I, it, it's really cool. I like, I can't wait to see how, how hopefully big this gets and have a little army of worth the weight children that it's, yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, but that's got to be an amazing experience to to sort of see how your organization has has literally we helped to weave a family together um, that maybe yeah you know maybe wouldn't have happened. Um, that's some cool stuff, man. That's some really cool stuff. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and and on the topic of cool stuff, we are partnering together in a fundraiser that you're doing. Um, what on Sunday, April 16th, can you, That's right. can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, uh, so we've been calling it Sunday fun day. Um, it is, we are, uh, holding a fundraiser, um, thanks to Dadass and Zaftig brewing at the Zaftig brewery in Worthington. Um, it is, I believe from one thirty to four, four thirty um, PM on April 16th. Um, Live music, uh, a one-pot uh, cook-off competition featuring a Zaftig beer in each recipe. Um, beer, you know, a, a, a little program from me and Megan about just what we've been able to do so far and what we're looking to do and the need. Um, we will keep that very short because we understand people just want to go. It's Sunday fun day. You want to go have some fun. So um, it's family-friendly. It's, uh, yeah, we're really excited about this. It should be a really cool event. Um, you can get more information if you follow us on Instagram at worth the charity, um, on Instagram. And then our website is, uh, worth the Um, and you can find the, uh, place to go to buy tickets. So you, you need to buy a ticket to the event. The ticket gives you a, um, a drink and, uh, entry and then, yeah we'll have a good time that's awesome and my my mom actually is investigating tasting beers for a nice. recipe she wants yes. to participate and then i think sean didn't you say you want to do a, a one crack uh, i don't know we'll, we'll see i we'll see if i if i i mean i'll definitely be there for sure um nice but <laughs> but yeah it's gonna be awesome i'm very excited it for, is. it's gonna be really fun for this it's, yeah i Again, I mean, thanks to, to to you you guys for for really putting this opportunity in front of us, and um, you know, just this partnership has been unbelievable, and so we're humbled that that you know you've worked with us, and and I, I tell a lot of people when we're having calls like this is what a especially a startup nonprofit needs. We need support uh, to get 
to get our message out there and our mission out there. If you think our mission is worthy, hopefully you're, you're motivated to donate. And if you don't think our mission is worthy, there's so many other missions out there that are worthy and you know you need to meet do something or support something that meets your goals yeah you know and and what oh sorry i was gonna say matt going back to like the very beginning part of the episode you you were saying like celebrate that month like we're you're kind of like debating about this right but like the reality here is um i think i choose the word celebrate because nobody wants to talk about something in like a sad sack like like way and so i think bringing the conversation um out and like as a part of things um is okay and so i think it's okay to say celebrate because we have to talk about like these things yes um you know and and this touches on um you know your organization specific to cancer but like you know infertility in general is something that um or difficulty with fertility, if it's not just you know complete infertility, but difficulty with fertility is something that um, I think um, affects a lot. I don't know statistically a lot of, of families or, or couples that are trying to yeah. to have families, um, and it doesn't get talked about because it's the sad, difficult thing that people kind of bury in some corner of their mind that they don't want to talk about, but it's very much affecting them, and it's you know. Um, and so I think it is perfectly appropriate to say celebrate so that we can have yep. these real conversations. I love that actually at the beginning um, there was just a series of really inappropriate but funny um, <laughs> jokes and those sorts of things because um, it's worth listening to and it's worth ha- having a conversation about um, because I don't know, um, Matt, what your personal experience was, but like my hope is is that if you haven't gone through what we've gone through, like your comment of like, man, that's a difficult conversation about like kids, not kids, when all that sort of stuff, like in and of itself, I never thought about what it would be like to also be going through cancer at the same time and, and those sorts of things. And I think it also sheds light on what the experience is like outside of just the cancer piece. Cause everyone's like, okay, mm-hmm. you've got cancer. At least this is my experience. Like you'll get through it, all that sort of stuff. But there was all this other stuff that like came with it. That was a result of the cancer, but it wasn't just cancer. It wasn't just like the, I need to live sort of piece. That part was actually simple. Um, like I, I had one job in that regard, which was to show up to treatment. You know, first it was to get surgery, all that sort of stuff. But the cascading effect of that in the moment and the months and years after is enormous. Um, And um, I love that you had talked about a vibrant, healthy survivorship Um, because surviving is one thing. And I will be very honest that like that is still something in my own survivorship that some days I excel at a lot of days I don't. Um, that's just the, the reality and the sort of truth of what that experience is. It's not just about making it through. Um, it is far beyond that. So I love your, thank you. And to your point, like I, I, the things that I don't talk about all that much, um, like I broke, I mentally broke a year after treatment. I would, because my diagnosis was following like the start of the summers, I didn't know what the heck was going on, but every time it would be May and you know, the weather would get warm, I would start having panic attacks. Mm -hmm. I couldn't go back and say, Oh, I'm worried about getting cancer again. Like one of them, I was, I'm an avid cyclist and I would have these, I would want to go out on a ride. I'm like, I'm going to get hit by a car. I can't do this. I'm not doing this. And you know, I, I literally would lay on my couch shaking and no one knew Megan knew she was the only one. And she said, you need to talk to someone and figure out what's going on. And it was post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. I, and you know, time can heal things, but it wouldn't have healed that I needed to get help. I needed to talk to someone. So, and in my own you know, personal it, life, despite what I do for a living, it took me a long time to be willing to, go talk to someone Mm -hmm. like that's a challenging thing what do you want like i even cognitively know this is healthy this is helpful this is what you do for a living um but 
there's a lot to that. Like it's it's taken me an a long time to be able to do mm-hmm. that. To be able to actually laugh about it and actually yep. like truly laugh. Not the like laugh in the moment, but then like get in the car. I remember literally um my my friends the first time I, I got diagnosed, the initial diagnosis, they threw me a ball voyage. Um <laughs> Um, everything for the night was this is before I had surgery. Everything for the night was ball themed. We went and like we had like meatballs. We um went um bowling. Um, my favorite was one person insisted that um we go putt putting, and I was like, why? And he goes, because at the end everybody loses a ball. (laughs) (laughs) So I I have this like great night, right? Um, it's, it's magnificent. It's a, such a great night. Yeah. I had beers, all this sort of stuff. I got in the car. I had been laughing. I got in the car and I say this without pride. I say this actually with very much with embarrassment. Um, and I sobbed and I screamed in the car. Sure. It's like, this is not fair. I don't want this, all that sort of stuff. So it's taken me a long time, um, to compartmentalize some of that but not all of it right like um certainly not all of it and that's something i'm working on doing um in my personal life because it does it it's a it's a big thing um so i can connect with the like i don't know why i don't feel right and then all of a sudden you're like wait a minute like what time of year is it that sort of stuff for me um i had surgery literally right before my birthday the day before okay. my birthday, um, which is a – so at the beginning of school time um, and as a yeah. school counselor, that's a tough, like, sort of situation to be in. Um, yeah. But – Mike, we, we want to thank you for sharing your story. Definitely. And uh, Sean, for, for sharing your story along with it, and, and especially, Mike, for what you and Megan and uh, Worth the Weight Charity are doing to support those going through um, so much in their lives. So thank, thank you so much. Again, if someone's listening, wants to um, support you, learn more, uh, what, what are those platforms? Yeah, so we're, we're, on, we're on Instagram. Um, again, it's at Worth the Weight Charity. Um, and our website's the best place. So worthawaitcharity.com. Um, you can, you have access to our application. If you, if you want to apply to get some help, um, you can sign up for our newsletter. Uh, and you know, Megan posts quite a bit as far as social media goes. We also do have Facebook. Um, so I'm not on Facebook personally, but, uh, which marketer in her probably doesn't want me to say that out there (laughs) (laughs) you can see all that stuff um as well awesome well thank you so much sean thank you for another great episode we're looking forward to um throughout this month learning more about your story um as we celebrate um testicular awareness month and thank you to you whoever you are wherever you are uh for listening to this episode uh please drop us a line uh at the dadass podcast at gmail.com follow us on instagram facebook and uh the not so active twitter account that we have uh and until next time stay strong dadass <laughs>